Uh, so it wasn't that beginning, but it was uh, the beginning of this year. Okay, let me try this again. Uh, <laughs> you need to come on Wednesday nights. That's what I'm trying to say. And you should especially come to the praise and prayer nights. But uh, these, the classes, too, are just... That's where you connect. That's where you get to meet people. That's where you, uh, that's where you bond with, uh, with, with the body of Christ here. And so I encourage you to do that. Also, uh, you guys who are not doing something at 6.30 on Tuesday mornings, need to come to the gate. Uh, we're, head, we're heading into our third year of doing this. And it's, uh, it's really terrific. We, we're there for an hour. Uh, spend about 15 minutes in fellowship. Uh, sing a couple of songs, worship a little bit together. I might teach some. Oftentimes, guys give testimonies. Over the next three weeks, we got uh, uh, a guy named Don giving a testimony, a guy named Ken, and a guy named Jim. And uh, so over the next three weeks, I mean, I was thinking this morning, that sounds like an Asian dictator. <laughs> uh, okay. But it's... Uh, it, it, it's really good, and and then we go eat breakfast together. So hey, uh, I, I encourage you, encourage you to do that. Get get involved As, while you're making resolutions and doing stuff. Uh, get involved. Next Sunday, uh, three of our staff members are going to give their testimony about the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, about their what the Holy Spirit means to them, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, what that did for them. And also then the next week, there'll be a couple more of us doing that. But this week is about vision. And we're going to be, uh, we're going to be reading from the book of Ephesians. Most people who are familiar with the Bible believe that of all the churches that Paul wrote letters to, the one that was probably the farthest along, the one that was probably the most mature, probably the strongest was the one at Ephesus. And as you read the, the letter to the Ephesians, you begin to realize that, yeah, boy, this is, this is good stuff. This would be a, a really good church to be involved in. And that kind of makes sense. The apostle John actually is closely associated with the church at Ephesus. He probably was the pastor there for a long time. So I think they kind of had it together. Uh, would you stand with me? We're going to read from Ephesians chapter four, beginning of verse seven, and we'll be going through verse 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. I, I want to read that, that particular one again. It's real important. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says... When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, 
We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each love, as each part does its work. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. I pray that the Holy Spirit would invade our space, would get uh, into our stuff, would open our ears, would help us to uh, see some things and hear some things today that perhaps we have shut out and that would become active in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It has been 10 years uh, and two days since I brought a sermon specifically called Vision for this church. A lot of a lot of stuff has happened in the last 10 years. It was a different, it was a different world, really. Uh, it was um, 10 years ago, we as a church, we were in the other building over there. We were in the other sanctuary. Uh, in fact, this one hadn't even started. We hadn't even broken ground on this one. Uh, Barbie wasn't on staff at that point in time. Uh, we, were, we were less than six months away from, uh, six months separated from 9-11, uh, at that time, the housing bubble was still a bubble, hadn't, hadn't popped at that time, a lot of, lot of different things. Uh, however, even though I haven't specifically titled a sermon, Vision, I have taught on this passage twice since then, and each time I pe- teach on this passage, I'm teaching about the vision for the church. Now, when we think of vision, we tend to think of somebody standing up and saying, this is what we're all going to do, but that's not my idea of vision. Really never has been. In fact, it would probably be more appropriate to call this uh, the philosophy that I have for the church. Vision tends to kind of come and go as projects come and go. But the, under, the underpinning philosophy for what the ministry of this church is really hasn't changed. In fact, the first, the first sermon that I ever brought at, the, at this church was back in July, on July the 3rd of uh, 1988. And boy, does, does it sound... I was writing that down, and I, and I went, went 7, 3, 88. Did we used to write big numbers like that at the, end of our, at the end of our years? And Yes, we did. But on July the 3rd of 1988, and guess what text it was from? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Because that's been the foundation of what this church was supposed to be about from the get-go. Now, you may, some of you may be going, wait a minute, what about, I thought we were going to hear about arts and missions and uniting generations and all that. We, we will. We'll get there in, in a while. But that's not the vision of this church. That is the product of the vision of this church. That's some of the things that have been born out of the vision of this church. We read it. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. The church was never meant to be about stars, never meant to be about superstars, never meant to be about leaders. Uh, the church was always meant to be about each one. And it says to each one, grace has been given. And we tend to think of grace in terms of saving grace. And yes, saving grace is a, is a wonderful, magnificent thing. But that is by no means the extent of the grace that God has poured into this, into this world and has poured into our lives. 
Grace can take many forms. In fact, grace does take many forms. Uh, dance, administration, service, hospitality, any, any number of other things that flow in our lives are grace. So I don't, I don't know that I, I totally get it, that I totally understand it. Well, let, let, me, let me kind of put it this way. Have you ever heard Jeff Butterworth sing? Okay. What did he do to deserve that? And you may go, well, he's trained and he's practiced and he's worked hard. You know what? 98% of you could train and practice twice as much as he does and work twice as hard and you still wouldn't sound like that. That's grace. Have you ever seen Marshall Barquette kick a football? If you've ever gone to a, a Smyrna High game, maybe, maybe you've seen that. You, know? you can't do that. What did he do to deserve that? <laughs> Why should he get to do that? Have you ever seen how beautiful my daughters are? <laughs> what did they do to deserve that? I mean, you know, besides swimming in the right gene pool. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Mike Parker appreciates that. Because <laughs> he feels the same way. But no, seriously, these, these, things, these things are grace that God has poured into our lives. Whenever, whenever Jeannie Gibson cooks for me and when she comes up and she says, got something for you. Hey, that's grace. My life is getting ready to be enriched. If Wade and Connie ever invite you over to their house, Go. Go, or, or wherever they invite you to. If they say, would you like to? Yes. <laughs> That's as far as it needs to happen. Because they, they have a, they, there is a grace of hospitality that rests upon them that's, that's just incredible. I mean, it, 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 absolute, it absolutely is. Uh, and, and that's not the only kind of thing. I mean, he's not in this service, but Mike Dennison. I mean, that guy can take something apart and put it back together and not have any parts left over. And it looks like it did before, only now it works. I can't do that. And I'm good. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm serious. I, I can take it apart. And I can kind of put it back together. It just doesn't look like it did, and there are things laying around it. When I get through, Christ has given, this, has given grace to each one of us as he has determined, as he has apportioned it. This chapter actually starts off with a verse that says, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And humility, being humble, is actually... Coming into your own, being who you really are, who Christ has, has positioned you and gifted you and called you to be. And when that happens, you are a gift to mankind. When it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Uh, if those who are familiar with that passage tend to associate that 
with the so-called fivefold ministry that, that, that comes after it. Uh, to some he gave to be apostles, and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. But that's not really what that is, those gifts are that he gave to men. Those, those are what he gave to, church, to the church in order to equip the gifts that he gave to men. You are the gifts that he gave to mankind. And you may go, well, no, he's talking about the, the gifts that, that he's given to people, like he gave uh, Jeffrey the, the ability to sing. Yeah, well, he gave Jeffrey the ability to sing, but he didn't give it to Jeffrey so that Jeffrey could go and sit in his closet and entertain himself. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't give, you know, Ken and, and Connie and Brianna the ability to, to paint and express these things artistically so that they could go and, and, and have a great time by themselves. He gave those things so that they would be gifts to us. The, the ability to, and, and some people tend to think, I mean, they, they tend to go, well, you know, I don't have, I don't have talent. Well, it's not all about talent. You may have the ability to put up with people. (laughs) And And to deal with them in such a way that they're glad they're alive. And that they feel like they're worth something. Have you, ever, have you ever been around or hung around somebody who did not have that ability? In fact, who had the anti-ability to, to be with people? And, and after you spend time with them and you begin and you walk away from them, you feel about like you, you just, you're just not happy to be alive. You either feel small or you feel mad or you feel discouraged or you feel something about being around them. How important is it to have somebody who maybe can't sing, can't cook, doesn't know which way the wind blows, but when you spend time with them and you leave them, you feel, man, I'm glad I'm alive. Boy, that's good. You are a gift. You've got something inside of you. The scripture says that you do because it says to each one, grace has been given. As Christ apportioned it. When Christians enter a situation, here's a shocking concept. This, this is going to blow away everything that, that, that you've probably ever heard on CNN. When Christians enter a situation, it should become better than it was before they entered it. The load should be lighter The way should be brighter. It should be better than it was before we got there. So often we bring bring guilt and, and, and condemnation and we increase the load because we think that's what we're supposed to do. We think that, you know, if we don't tell them they're going to hell, nobody's going to. They, they, they may already think they're there. If, if, we don't, uh, if we don't come in and tell them what they're doing wrong, how will they know what they're doing wrong? Hello. What about maybe somebody coming in and telling them how to fix it 
or somebody coming in and telling them how, how to do it right or somebody coming in and telling them, you know what, God still loves you anyway. Let me help you with that. I got a, 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 an email yesterday out of the blue from a guy I've never heard of, okay? So it was definitely out of the blue. But several months ago, I was telling y'all that I wrote a book review of, uh, of, uh, of Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. And, uh, and I actually, I mean, I was kind of a stinker because I, I identified myself as, a, as an over 60-year-old evangelical pastor. So I knew I'd get, <laughs> I knew I'd catch some grief for it. Uh, and, and I really did, but I also got a, a lot of nice things. But anyway, this, this guy wrote me and, uh, he said, you know, I want to, I want to thank you for, you know, having a, the kind of attitude that you had about, uh, not only the book, but the, some of the things that people were saying, uh, about the review and about you. And, uh, and he went on to give me his testimony. Uh, he apparently had a, attended Rob Bell's church and prior to that, he had been just really on the outs with God, didn't want to have anything to do with church and, really found the guy to be challenging to him and and uh, bring God to him in a whole new way. And it, it had just turned his life around, I, I think. Um, in fact, he says, uh, um, he challenged me more in my walk with God than anyone else. He cha- challenged people to act on their faith, to give to the poor, and to really uh, live uh, uh, up to the challenges of Jesus. My life was never the same. I quit the insane party hard lifestyle and eventually... Ended up moving to Jerusalem to study the Bible with rabbis and Christian scholars. Well, how about that? But anyway, uh, then he, he closed it out with a couple of things that I thought, this is good. He said, one interesting thing I thought I'd share with you as well. The image of God we seem to see a lot nowadays of an angry God. We have to somehow propitiate. And for those of you who don't know what that word means, that just simply means to please, uh, to satisfy. The image of uh, nowadays of an angry God we have to somehow perpetuate is very steeped in Roman tradition and uh, the shaping of the church post-Constantine. It's been well documented by scholars. Pre-Constantine, the God of Israel was seen as a loving, gracious, merciful father who saved Israel through grace alone and gave them instructions on how to live. After Constantine, the New Testament was read through the eyes of the Roman law and the image of God became very similar to an angry Greek or Roman deity that we had to to somehow propitiate. Anyway, one more thought, and then I'll shut up. He said it was a rather long email. You can see how pervasive the thinking of an angry God is in the church today. A friend of mine once had a girl, once had a girl named Danielle come up to him, and she said she hated her name because it means God is my judge in Hebrew. He told her, you don't have a bad name. What you have is a bad image of God. To the Hebrews, the name Daniel or Danielle was awesome because seeing God as my judge was similar to having to go on trial and finding out your loving daddy was the judge. What could be better? Of course, my father will show me mercy. God has put grace in your life and he intends for you to use it to lighten the load. He intends for you to use it to make the situations better that you come into. Whenever we talk about spreading uh, uh, grace in the world, we're not just necessarily talking about uh, getting people saved, although ultimately that's what we want to see happen with everybody. But we're talking about bringing beauty 
into their lives. We're, we're talking about bringing joy and we're talking about bringing love into a world that surely has an extreme shortage of it and needs to see it, needs, needs to know what it, what it looks like from time to time. That's what we're talking about. And God, God has given that people are attracted to grace. We, we get so, uh, we're, we're so twisted and bound up oftentimes, and, and I, got, I just got to go here in, in, in the way that the church thinks these days, that we tend to step out into the world kind of thinking, they're all out to get us. They're all against Christians. You, you, can, you can make fun of Christians, get away with it. You can't make fun of anybody else, but Christians, you can. Well, somebody's got to stand up for some rights. Mm. Don't think so. Jesus didn't stand up for any rights. When he was mocked, he didn't stand up for any... I mean, they mocked him. He didn't stand up for any rights when when his rights were abused. He had the right to show the love and and the character of God. And that's what he did. And nothing could stop him from doing that. In fact, when the enemy tried to slap him down, it only gave him more of an opportunity to show it. And that's the mentality. That's, that's the thinking. That's, that's where we need to go as a church. Why am I telling you this? It's my job. That's the job of the five-fold ministry. Leaders are to prepare God's people for works of service. It says... Uh, to each one, grace has been given as, as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And to some, he gave to be apostles and prophets and, and, and evangelists and pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, to prepare God's people to do these, to do these things, the, the gifts that he's given, that he's made them to be. So many are, are, are unchurched, choose to be unchurched these days. And they're not being prepared, not being prepared for works of service. Quite frankly, I, I've known a number of, I, I've known several people. I mean, after you've been at one particular church for over 20 years, you run into a lot of situations. But I've known several people who've left church, not just this church, but left church basically and because they felt like God called them to leave church. And none of that has ended up good. None of that has ended up fruitful. You see, whatever it is you're expecting that to happen when you come on Sunday or when you come on Wednesday, whenever you come, whatever it is you're expecting to happen, you know, some people come expecting the, wanting the fire to fall. And some people come wanting the fire to not fall. And, and some people come wanting the river to flow. And some people come wanting the service to end on time so they can go to lunch. I mean, that's... That's what they're thinking when, when they come in here. But whatever it is you're thinking, the, the, what is actually happening is a deposit is being placed in your life. A deposit is being placed there in, in the word that goes forth, in the, uh, in, in the worship, in the songs that are sung, in the testimonies that are heard. Uh, you're brought into a situation where, where that, that deposit of grace inside of you is, is built up and strengthened and encouraged you know, bit by bit. I mean, sometimes we feel like, well, that wasn't a good service because I didn't get a whoosh. Well, a whoosh isn't always what you need. Sometimes you just need a little mortar in the brick 
is what you need for that, that particular time. And, 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 then, and then you're able to go out and, and do this because if you, if you don't get that on a regular basis, you go out in the world and that grace that God's placed in your life gets sucked out of you very quickly. And the next thing you know, it's not there anymore. Or it's been perverted to, to, to wrong purposes and to wrong ends. And so leaders are to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body might be built up. The body is just simply the church universal, also known as the kingdom, that, that mysterious, invisible uh, mystery, the, the, the membership of which only God knows. That, that's, what, that's what the body is. But so that it, that it might be built up, and it's built up in a lot of ways. It's built up because new people are added. That's great. I mean, bringing in the sheaves, we all know about that. And that's, that's certainly a, a, a part of building it up. But it's also built up because those already in the body do not stagnate, but they become fruitful. Become fruitful. And that's not just bringing new people in. That's, that, that, that's creating beauty. That's creating love. That's multiplying the, the, the image of Christ in the world. That's, that's being the, the bearer. Christian means the bearer of Christ's image. Bringing it into the world. That's what, that's what fruitfulness is. Whenever we get to eternity, we'll find out, you know, what fruit will last. But that's what it is. Until we all reach unity in the faith. You see, when we, when we take this perspective, when we're, when we're doing those works of service, whenever, we're, whenever that's what our focus is, then the things that tend to divide the body of Christ, we don't have time for them. Whenever people are majoring on the stuff that separates and divides the body of Christ, they got too much time on their hands. They don't have enough to do, quite frankly. When we were on the mission field, one of the things that we learned, and there are exceptions, but, but one of the things that we learned was almost nobody really was interested in what church you were with. It didn't matter. It didn't, it didn't matter what church you were with, which group you were with. The fact was, you... You had a job to do. We were, we were all focused. We were, we were on the same side. We were, we were doing something. And you know what? This is a mission field. Here, where you are. It, it, it really, doesn't, really doesn't matter here. <laughs> Unity is important because it proclaims the witness of Christ. Jesus said over in John 17, 23, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So when we walk in unity, when that unity happens, when, when the body is built up and the unity is taking place and, and grace is, is flowing, then people automatically, they know Jesus came from God and God loves me. Because people are attracted to grace. When I was, uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in a, a small church. And it was one of those churches where um, you got saved every week. At least I did. And I, I needed it, probably. I mean, my dad was the pastor. And he knew that there was at least one person there who needed to be saved every week. His son. And so once the, you know, once the sermon finished, here it came, the altar call was happening till 
me or, or somebody who would, who would kindly go in my stead was coming down. Because if somebody else got saved, then we could, we could still go home. And uh, it, was, it was kind of a small church, like I say. We, we ran about 100. But uh, over just a few miles away, there was this big old Baptist church. And I thought, I thought the reason why they were a big, big church and we were a little church was because they could afford to give away bicycles to people who, who came and brought a lot of people to Sunday school. And I thought, now that's cheating. But we, because we don't have the money to do that, but we got the real, we got the real stuff here. And then I went to visit that church one time with a friend of mine, and I discovered for the first time when I went to visit there that they actually thought that once you got saved, you stayed saved. And I thought, no wonder their churches are so big. I, I, can, I could dig that. I could get into that. Truth of the matter is that it's probably somewhere in between, but people are attracted to grace. People like things that are beautiful. People like things that, and, and you know, you, and, and sometimes in the church we just feel like that's just so anathema, you know, because the world does it. The world uses that to get people. No, the, the, what the world uses is, is, is glitter and tinsel, real beauty comes from God. Real real joy comes from God. Real grace is born in, in, in the heart and the mind of God. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature. This means we grow up. We're not selfish children anymore. Children must be served because they can't do for themselves. Little babies can't change their diapers. Three-year-olds can't cook supper. Some 30-year-olds can't cook supper, <laughs> but, but three-year-olds for sure can't, can't cook supper. You know, there, there are just things that they have to do, but as they, as they grow up, then they're supposed to be able to do some of these things and start doing them for others. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cun- cunningness and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. That's why Kevin last week was, was encouraging people to read the Word so they, they, could, they could become mature for themselves. It's, it's also why so many, you know, can't seem to get planted in, 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 in a fellowship. Because it, rather than realizing the grace is supposed to flow through me and I'm supposed to be out there being salt and light and doing this stuff in the world... They're kind of looking for, you know, what's, what's happening over here? You know, and, and then once it kind of dies down, uh, then it's sort of like, well, I, it, it, I need to find somewhere else where it's happening. You know, I need to find, I need to find somebody else that's got a, a vision over here. And, and the problem is not all of those things that are happening are from God. And not all of those visions, some of those visions are the deceitfulness of men and their scheming. That's what it is. But as we mature, then that doesn't become such an attraction anymore. We're not tossed back and forth and blown here and there. Instead, speaking the truth in love. I don't know which comes first, maturity or speaking the truth in love, but they're essential to each other. There's a lot that passes for love but refuses to speak the truth. And that's not love. It doesn't have the courage to be love. 
There's a lot that passes for truth, but it's totally loveless. And that's not truth. From Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The church, the work of the church is not simply the work of the pastors nor the five-fold ministry nor the super volunteers. Each part must do its work for the body to truly grow. And this is really, this is really where we started out because that's saying the same thing. Each part must do its work because to each one, grace has been given. As Christ apportioned it. The vision of Springhouse Worship and Art Center is this. The philosophy, if you will. is to call forth and undergird the grace God has given to you. That's what it is. Sometimes you need somebody to call it forth. Somebody you need, sometimes you need somebody to say to you, hey, can, you can do that. You, you should be doing this. You, you can do that. Now, we try real hard to not manipulate, and we try to not say that on situations just because we need somebody to do it. And believe me, you know, that, that leads to some situations where we need somebody to do it, but it doesn't get done. But we try to say it in situations, and I'm talking about the senior leadership here at the church. We try to say it in situations where we look at somebody's life and God has spoken to us and it's kind of like, you know, you really ought to, have you thought about doing that? Have, have, have you thought about this, letting this gift be called forth in your life? Using it for God. And so to call forth and undergird because even when you, even when you are walking in the grace that God has given to you, yes, often you feel his pleasure, but sometimes it, it, it's, you get discouraged, become weary and well doing. You need somebody to come along and say, Hey, can I, can I give you a hand with that? You know, can, uh, can, can we hold your arms up here for just a little while? Do, do you know how much appreciate what you're doing? I mean, sometimes that's, that's what you need to hear. And so the things that we have here that people look at and go, oh, that's the vision of the church, are really just simply products of this. The children's ministry that we have actually was birthed decades ago in Margaret when she was in college uh, training to be a Christian ed director. The worship ministry that we have here at this church, was birthed decades ago in, in, in Wayne. I saw it happening. I saw it, I saw it forming and coming, coming together in, in his life. And, it, and it's still forming and still coming together. And it doesn't mean, you know, and it's not a matter of, okay, well, so they're, they're, the, big, they're the big deals, right? No, they were, they were the beginning. And God brought others along. And sometimes he brings along others that are even better than the ones that started out. I, I mean... No, yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, Wayne actually isn't the best guitar player or singer on the worship team anymore. Can I get an amen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or is everybody too intimidated and afraid to, to say anything about that? Whoever, I, I'm, I've, I firmly believe that whoever pastors this church after me is going to be a better pastor than I am. And I, and, you know, and I, and I mean, and I, not only do I 
believes that, if, if that isn't what happens, then I, I'm going to feel somewhat like a failure because that's the way it should be. That's the, that's the way that it should happen. The reason, we never had any vision to have a dance ministry here until Claudia Peterson came along and it was a deposit that she carried and, and God has brought other people in. And, you know, I didn't start here going, let's have a theater so we can start a church or something like that. No, it was, I was here for about 10 years before the theater just kind of happened. And all of a sudden I realized, you know what, that's a deposit that God put in me a long time ago. And he brought, you know, he's brought along other people. He's brought along uh, the Parkers and he's brought along Tammy and he's, and he's brought, and, and missions, the, the missions that we have here, that's, that was a, that was birthed in, in Bruce. Years and years and years ago, the philosophy and the, and the way that we go about missions. Last year, we had two guys leave here, go full-time on the mission field, foreign mission field. We got at least two more that are planning on leaving this year for the foreign mission field. And, and, and one other one is going full-time in the domestic mission field, Alan Smith. You know, that, that all, that came from Bruce. That, that came from the deposit that was, that was, that was put in him. And there's, and there's room for more. I mean, the reason why the reason why people tend to think of us being an arts church, my cousin, God love him, he's just like my dad. My dad couldn't <clears throat> always get names right. In fact, one of my favorite memories of my dad was driving in a car with him. Arwen and Jeremy had been married for about two years, and and Dad was trying to make conversation, and he said, "How are Arwen and uh, Benji doing?" <laughs> And, and my cousin uh, pastors a church down in Hohenwald, and I uh, saw a post he put on Facebook the other day. He had a friend who moved up in this area, and he said, yeah, I got a cousin who pastors up there. Used to be Smyrna Assembly of God. I don't call it that now. I'm not sure the name. I think it's, uh, I think it's Springgate Theater and Worship. But the, but the reason why people think of that is, is only because that's such an unusual uh, ministry to be going on in a church. We're, we're, we're not an arts church. We're this. We're this. And, and, and the grace that God's placed in your life, if it's got something to do with something broader than the area that you're, that you're operating in, hey, come, let's talk. You know, now if you come to me with a great idea and expect me to do it, you're going to be sor- sorely disappointed. But if you come to me with a great idea and you go, can I do it? Then it's going to be, yeah, yes. What, what can we do to help you? How, how do we make this happen? How, how can we encourage you and support you in, in getting this going? Because that's what the vision of, of this church is. And when you get discouraged and when you get weary, we, we want to we help you. We want to build you up. I mean, uh, the grace that flows through so many of our teachers the grace that, that flows through so many of our servants, uh, and it's going to start flowing through the video ministry as soon as enough people decide that they actually want to get on board with, with Randy up there. Uh, there's, just, there's just a lot. There's so much. In keeping with Ephesians 4, our vision, our philosophy of ministry, is to call forth and undergird the grace that is in your life because you are a gift to mankind, and because when you exercise that grace that is inside of you, you feel his pleasure and you show his image to this world. Would you stand with me?
Those who are going to pray with people, come forward at this time. This is a time of grace. Because if you're here and you need prayer, and in a room this size with this many people in it, there are some people who need prayer. These brothers and sisters who are down here have the maturity and the grace to be able to bring prayer to effect in your life. And so take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. We're going we're gonna to sing something. We're going to worship for a few moments. Uh, grace is available. Grace lives. It's real. It's tangible. It's not just some invisible, ephemeral, ephemeral thing. So if you need prayer, you come. By His grace I have redeemed, by His blood I am made clean, and I now can know Him face to been encouraged this morning 
to do more really than, than just praise the glory of His grace. You, you are the glory of His grace. Uh, raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world to reveal grace and truth, and who has caused His Son to live in you, May that grace and truth be manifested in you. May the life of Christ be your joy, be your testimony, be your gift to the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.